Like this is Plowing Forward with Chet Mosluman for the Lands at Hillside Farm. And today's guest is Karen Christensen, and she's a senior director of animal welfare at Tyson Foods and has an education, at least to me, that's unique. So, and, and experience as well. So she was an adjunct professor at the University of Arkansas, Department of Poultry Science. She has her Bachelor of Science and Master of Science in Animal Science from Washington State University, her PhD in Poultry Physiology. And this is the first time I've heard of that degree, specifically <laughs> from Mississippi State University. And she's currently wrapping up her Master's degree in Animal Welfare and Behavior at the University of Pennsylvania School of Veterinary Medicine. And so I'm not sure if we can find somebody more qualified to talk about farming and animal welfare on the face of the earth. And so I never met somebody with such an intense education around poultry. And I understand why it exists. I mean, we have these industries and, and it's such a big part of our life is eating poultry and, and eggs and, and all of this. How does this happen? You didn't grow up on a chicken farm, right? So how does this, how does a person like you end up being the master of poultry? Well, that's a, that's a great question. So my, uh, my parents lived in the city. My dad was a biochemist actually taught at a university. When I was in the fifth grade, my science teacher helped me build an incubator out of two cardboard boxes for a science project. We hatched a chicken and he was, it was a white legger and rooster, which if anybody on the, that's listening knows about chickens, that's not the greatest pet in the world, right? But he lived in our garage. And when he started crowing, my parents moved us to the country. So I knew right then that my future would be in the, in the poultry industry. I've been very fortunate to work with some of the greatest people in the industry over the many years that I've worked in the industry. And my education comes exclusively because of my interest in making life better for these birds. And so this is something I've done throughout my career and just want to know more and more. And it seems like the more we learn about them, the more questions that we have. So it's a, it's a great journey. And I've enjoyed every minute of it, both working in the industry, in live production, and the time that I spent on the faculty at the University of Arkansas. Uh, but everything that I've done up to that point really prepared me for this opportunity that I have at Tyson Foods to lead animal welfare, really focusing in my role, really focusing on poultry. That's, that's So it's a passion. It's not an accident. And so if you could just tell us a little bit about the Tyson Foods Broiler Research Farm for the average person, right? So you're, you're a PhD sure. in science, but just the average person out there, what's going on at this, this, this farm? Well, it's, it's really a great place. So after I started at Tyson, we talked about a lot of the questions that we had about welfare and a lot of questions that our customers were asking us about welfare. And so our, my boss and I made a real passionate argument for building the facility so that we could address exactly those questions. So the farm is really unique because it's really the, about the only farm that Tyson owns because most of our chickens or all of our chickens are grown by contract growers. And we can, we can talk about those wonderful family farmers maybe in a later question. But this farm looks just like a commercial broiler farm. And we only work on welfare issues there because it's really important that if we're going to make decisions that make their lives better, it needs to be in the environment that, that is across our industry. So we have a four house farm there that maybe we have some ability to collect a little more data than you would on a regular farm. 
But other than that, it looks just the same. And we encourage our customers to come. We collaborate with other universities and groups that are interested in learning more about welfare. And I think one of the things to me that's so fantastic is that our research philosophy there is animal preference. So what we do is we ask the birds important questions about how they feel about their environment and what we can do to make it better. And from my perspective, the highest form of welfare that we can provide is getting the birds involved in making decisions about their environment. We love what we're doing there and we're focusing right now on two things, lighting and enrichments. We've asked the birds how how they want their environment lit because there's a lot of conversation right now about how we should have lights in a chicken house. And what the birds clearly told us was that we're prey animals, you know? Everything's trying to eat us. Not in our safe chicken houses, but their little brain doesn't unwire from that. So they told us that they want to eat in bright light, but they want to have dim light where they can go and rest and feel safe and kind of invisible. Um, so based on the information they gave us, we've kind of uh, developed unique and novel lighting system that gives them bright light over their feed and then areas in the house where they can go and and feel much more secure and safe. You actually answered like three of my questions in one sweep. So it almost, when, when I saw that, that's your capstone project, right? For, for your masters that you're working on now. And I almost viewed it as lower light levels are a kind of shelter in a way. Exactly. You know? So they feel a level of protection, even though it's not physical. So it's a better mental state for the animal. Super obvious that you're passionate about this. And this question isn't just about Tyson, but for, you see, this push from the public going in like yeah, animal welfare, whatever it is, organic, pick something, right? There's so much diversification in food. It's insane. Do you think a company such as Tyson or, or, or pick a dairy company or even us, the lands at Hillside Farms, we're animal welfare approved by a greener world. So what I'm asking is when, when you see, you know, there's bigger ag and there's small family farms and all this, and you deal with family farms as well, but do you see um, larger companies as sort of getting into the animal welfare uh, realm because they have to check off that box for marketing. And I know for you personally that you, I mean, it's obvious, right? Yep. You deeply care about this, but I mean, Hey, I'm the CEO of Tyson. Hey, better check out this box and, and, and better create this uh, research barn so that we could put it on our label. Do you think there's a real movement for animal welfare? That's a great question. And so let me, let me answer it for Tyson and then I'll answer it for the industry. Okay. First of all, I wouldn't work for Tyson if I didn't believe that they were committed to welfare. And the second point is that welfare at Tyson is not new. They've had long had welfare programs there and developed the farm check program over 10 years ago, which I think really pushed the whole industry to begin uh, doing some serious audit work across other species other than chickens. So I've always been very aware of Tyson's interest in, in, and commitment to welfare. My boss reports to John Randall Tyson, who's fourth generation Tyson. And so he is absolutely committed to animal welfare and sustainability because he knows that it's the right thing to do. So I think that from that perspective, we have to do the right thing when we're, our business depends on raising animals and we do care and the farmers care. You know, and I think from an industry perspective, we are just not good at telling our story. And so I don't think that welfare is new. 
but I think that our ability to talk about that publicly rather than just keep our head down and do the right thing and move forward. But we're, we're now starting to see the value of telling our story and letting people know that our values about animal welfare as companies really are the same values that people have. And, and I don't think that people, just consumers necessarily want to know what our density is or what's in our feed or Maybe they don't even care about lighting, which I, I can't imagine that. But what they need to know is that they can enjoy these products guilt-free because our values meet their values. And if I, could, if I could share that message with people, I think that's really important. Wonderful. Wonderful answer. And um, I, so, so again, these movements, animal welfare, organic feed, I mean, in the dairy industry, grass, grass-based, grass-based, it, it gets crazy, right? And, and I'm just wondering because of your education. If I take organic grain and I feed it to a chicken, okay, versus non-organic grain, am I helping the environment? Like, am I helping myself? Am I helping the bird? Does organic really translate in any way to nutritional value or lack of chemical exposure for a consumer in real life? And, and this is, and I'll give you my personal answer because, you know, that's, that's really where I'm coming from on this, but, but really... No, you know, grains are tested, animals are tested before they go to the plant. So there should be no concerns about any type of residues, whether it's pesticide residues or antibiotic residues in, in animals. So I really don't think that there is, there should be a concern there. Organic food, feed or food, sorry, food that people are purchasing, if we looked at it chemically, we wouldn't be able to discern that from conventionally raised meat. So, you know, and I think it's really important because I think people that may not be in a position to afford afford organic food shouldn't feel like that they're not able to provide the best for their family because, because that's really not the case. But I also think that we live in a great country and that choice is fine. And I'm all about choice. And if there needs to be niche markets, that people that feel strongly are willing to, to support, I think that's fantastic. What I am concerned about though, is that we see groups that are forcing changes across every animal industry, and it's not necessarily in the best interest of the animal. It's certainly not in the best interest of all consumers. And I, I think that that is probably where my concerns lay the most. I'm really proud to be part of an industry that feeds people. Chicken has always been a wonderful quality protein that is important in a lot of people's diet. And I want to make sure that if I'm responsible in any way for raising birds for food, that everybody has access to that quality protein. And I'm personally, that's a big deal with me. And I, I choose not to focus on, you know, creating expensive proteins because I want to make sure that everybody has access to my protein. But at the same time, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that those birds, while they're under my care, have the best life that we can provide for them. And so, even though you, you won't hear the argument often, environmentally, there's like this, it's, it's a double-edged sword because, so you're organic, you're not using chemicals, but now you need 50 more acres to make right. what you were making on 20. And it, you, the truth is, it's really not that clear cut. 
it's really not, you know, I'm not smart enough to know what, what's better in the very, very long run, but it's, it's just not that clear cut. And yeah, and then you have poverty and, and people need to eat. So I hear you. So Tyson had some very bold sustainability goals, and we are right in the middle of updating that. So it may change going forward. It's certainly not going to be reduced, but we're net uh, we're 30% reduction in greenhouse gases by 2030 and zero by 50. And so when we make decisions that could potentially increase our carbon footprint in the animal welfare field, we have to think holistically because those goals are very important to us and they're important to a lot of our customers. So that doesn't mean we're going to compromise in welfare, but what it means is I have to be more creative. How do I solve the problems and make life better without adding to the environmental burden. And I think that it can be done. It absolutely can be done. It just, there's more than one path to get there. And that's what we're focusing on. Yeah, and so it's, it's, it's just not easy because there's, if everybody had all their ideals combined in one, chicken would be $50 an ounce, right? Mm-hmm. So it would just, there, there has to be some kind of pragmatic balance. It has to be science-based, truly what's best for the birds. Right. So, okay, let me, I'm going to skip ahead. I had a question. So we personify animals. We give them these personalities. I do. My dog is the love of my life, right? We treat our cows here like they're our pets, right? But then, then there's the science side of this, right? And maybe we're actually providing worse welfare by treating them that way as if they have human characteristics because they're a herd animal and they want to be away from us, right? Like how do you communicate something like that to the public? You know, uh, for, uh, sort of like a, a marketing perspective where they might be critical of Tyson or anybody else or, or us, the lands at Hillside Farms, but you're deep in the science of it and they're deep in the emotion of it or what they perceive the animal thinking. Well, and, and, I, and I think that's okay because I am too. I love animals. My husband and I have, her, I was just at lunchtime, I ran down to help a new heifer calf nurse that we were a little bit worried about. So, I mean, we all love animals. I think it's really important though. And the reason I'm taking this master's class is because we have to really understand, you know, what is truly best for the animals. And I think cows do have a personality and, and, and cows can very much demonstrate their wants and, and maybe not their needs, but certainly what they want. And, and I think for the most part, chickens can as well. And so we just have to make sure that when we're raising these birds, that we focus on those things that are important to them. And we help people understand that, you know, we are making the best decisions we can for them. We are very transparent about key welfare indicators, which is the numbers that'll show us people where we are and join us in our continuous journey. And, you know, we look to make things better as the science tells us how to do that. But I think that, you know, I mean, I don't need to let my dog get fat and, and, you know, I need to make sure that my cows have clean water. And so we have to still make good decisions for, for all the animals. And it's, it's important that we relate to them in the best way and, and showing what's best for them. Yes, we have to be good stewards. Yep. And so if you, if you came to the, our farm, which is small, you would find there's 60 cows. We're only milking 50 of them. And we have an egg operation, so we have poultry here. So you might want to visit. But, you know, on, on a great day, we have 30 dozen eggs. You know, there's, there's 500 birds and they're going through the fields and all of that. And we spend a lot of time 
talking about how great it is that we're small. And so what do you, but you know, an industry like at Tyson, I don't imagine like 30 birds going across the field, you know, as broilers. <laughs> do you think that both farms can achieve similar results in animal welfare? Like, can it be achieved at a large scale or is it better at a large scale and worse for us? Can it be scaled? It's a great question. I absolutely think it can be scaled. You know, broilers are different beast than layers. Some of the obvious differences, broilers are processed as juveniles, very young birds. I mean, your birds don't even come into production until they're 20 weeks, and our birds have been processed well, well before that. So we're really talking about two different animals in a lot of ways. And so, you know, we focus on those things that are important to broilers that are young. So again, this idea of security and, and hiding. And I'm sure that you see with your layers that when they go outside, they probably seek out shade and shelter and trees and bushes. Yes. Um, you know, you have yeah, all of that. Right. They're, they're aware. That absolutely they are. So, you know, we try to, to provide those same type of um, feelings of security and comfort in a, in a large scale house. But I think it's, it's still the right thing to do. And, you know, broilers, they, I've worked with both and, and broilers don't necessarily have the same personality as a layer, but again, they're really very, very young birds. So they are going to be different. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't provide for them those things that are important and make their life comfortable. And they're definitely aware of predators. I don't think that broilers as we know them today are really comfortable going outside. You know, there's some some that give them the opportunity and it can be a challenge to ask them to utilize it. So instead of focusing on that, we focus on making the inside environment as comfortable and stress-free as possible. You know, I'd be really amiss if I didn't shout out to our contract growers, most of which are families that are very passionate about raising birds for us. And the type of arrangement that we have allows them to have a lifestyle that maybe would be much more challenging, you know, without the, the grower contract type of relationship. So we depend on those great folks to do a good job. And our job is to provide them with information, you know, so that they can be better and show improvements in welfare every single day. Yeah, so you're helping create sort of the procedure and that translates into the welfare. And I always think that the consumer has some level of responsibility. So there's there the whole, do you see in the world of animal welfare, this is how it is in dairy. The more you go down the road of welfare, it just it's just going to become more expensive, right? It's more tedious. There's more going on. It might be a dime, but there's some cost to it. And so there's the company's desire to become welfare oriented. But then there's the consumer's vote through consumption and purchasing. Is that a major hurdle for for Tyson or for you, like sort of the price point? And again, that would be, the, to me, that's the consumer who's responsible for that. Like, hey, I'm not going to pay an extra nine cents for that. Because I see that around in dairy, but I don't know if that exists in your world. Well, you know, I think that's that's always the challenge. And, and really, my focus is again, like I said, I, I want our product to be the best for people to understand that Tyson truly cares about welfare and I want it to be available. So again, that just means that I have to be really creative in how we solve these problems and make the environment better. You know, we're looking at enrichments for birds. And when I take a holistic approach, I say, you know what, 
straw bales, maybe they like them, but maybe that's not good for health food safety because there could be pesticides or things in there. We can't possibly test every bale that would go into a chicken house. Right. Um, maybe the grower could trip on it. Maybe the grower doesn't want to lug 25 bales into every house, but we still need, we still need important enrichments. So I asked the birds, guys, here's a choice of enrichments that are sustainable, lightweight, biosecure, easy for the grower, made of uh, recycled materials, going to last 10 years. Which one of these do you like? Which one will you use for your entire life? and get the most meaning out of. And then when they make those choices, we verify that by their behavior. And then we actually go in and we look at what's going on in the brain. And, you know, we look at neurotransmitters so that we can say the choice they made that we interpreted is truly making a difference. So, you know, we back it up and we make sure that that the decisions that we make in those areas, whether it's lighting, whether it's enrichments, are backed up by all those aspects of what's going on in the bird. So I don't know that they necessarily care that they're hiding under a banana leaf or if they're hiding under something that's very sustainable, lightweight, the grower likes, it's going to last 10 years and fills fills their need. As long as they have cover, right? So like in the futures, I feel like animal welfare is really dialing it back to some extent where we're, we're going closer. We're trying to mimic nature, right? Even you are with light, right? I, 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 I read your work, you know. Um, was it tropical or subtropical, you know, and, and so yep. there's a rainforest type of situation. And then and then you have, you know, the people that not being critical, in, but it just exists. Um, I'll go to McDonald's for a hamburger. But if you hunt deer, you're the devil. Right. So you have that whole thing going on and they won't touch a deer. But you've picked that deer right out of nature. Right. Like in an ideal situation. And so is that the future of animal welfare that we're just getting closer and closer and closer to mimicking really the nature of the animal, but we're not hunter gatherers anymore. So we have a centralized point doing that for us. Is that the ultimate welfare? Well, you know, that's a, that's, I really hadn't thought about it like that, but, but my, my passion is to understand where the birds come from, how their eyes work, how do they perceive the world? And that's how we begin to, to understand the best lighting program for them. And then we say, okay, you live in the brush, you live under a canopy in the jungle, you're very rarely seen when we're talking about their progenitors, the red jungle fowl. So if those things are still important to you, how do we, how do we re- reproduce that in a commercial setting? So I guess you're right. I mean, we're looking at all of the different needs of the birds, trying to understand what's important to them, and then how do we provide that in a way, again, that's economical, safe, is, is good for food safety, and, and at the end of the day, making sure that these quality products are available to, to everybody. I, it's easy to do it the hard way. You know, I mean, you could just make changes and make it really expensive, but to me, it's much more challenging to, to really take a holistic approach and we're not compromising in, in any of those areas. We, we, we are convinced we can do it all. Karen, this is the most interesting conversation I've ever had about poultry in my life. And I've, I've had many, believe it or not. And I don't know anybody at Tyson, but they need to get you out there because I had no idea a person like you existed there. And up until this point, I absolutely would have stereotyped your company 
as not even caring about this. I had absolutely no idea. You're an asset to them. And thank you very much uh, for being today's guest on Plowing Forward. Thank you, Chet, for letting me uh, have a few minutes to, to talk about these areas that I'm so passionate about. Mm-hmm.